Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us and we hope you are encouraged by today's message. I wanna talk to you just a few minutes and we're gonna have another time of worship, a time of, of prayer here. How many of you know anything can happen on a Wednesday night? Have you noticed that? Anything can happen in God's house on a Wednesday night at Celebration Church. That's what makes it exciting, right? We're following God, man. We just wanna follow God. We're open to see what God wants to do. But I wanna talk to you a little bit about the King of Glory. There's a bottleneck over there with our students. They're trying to make it up into their seats. And then I have a word for for our students. Come on, how many of you know we're in a battle? Not a battle against the culture, you know, but, but how many of you know all areas of the culture that we live in don't glorify and honor God. Can I have an amen? Can we agree on that? <laughs> so, but we do live in the culture. It's like a, culture's like a tent that you live in. It is, that's where we live. That's, we live in Jacksonville in America, 2019. This is, this is how we live. So we don't, we're not the enemy of culture. It's just where we live. But Jesus calls us to be wise as serpents, innocent as doves. He wants us, if we're going to live in this culture, we have to have wisdom, right? And, and we, have to, we have to be innocent, and we have to do it as a family, right? We, you know, if you want to see Jesus, do you know how you can see him? You can see him in the church. We are the ecclesia. We are the body of Christ. We are what Jesus looks like on the earth. We're his body. And when you see, you know, I was praying a little bit. I, I said, you know, as I've seen God's people over the years serving and giving and laying their life down for others, and many of you have been amazing examples that I've watched, I see, I see the body of Christ. I see a reflection of Jesus. We, when Jesus ascended, we're his body on the earth. We, we, we're his representatives on the earth. And so some of you haven't seen all that in church, but if you think back, some of you have, but if you look for it, you'll, you can see Jesus in his body. People serving, people giving, people forgiving, people laying their life down for others. It's a beautiful picture of Jesus, amen? But I wanna to talk to you about the King of glory for a minute. We looked at Psalm 24 and Years ago, in fact, it was almost 30 years ago, I was a college student at LSU, and I wasn't a Christian. I didn't, didn't go to church. We went to church occasionally when I was a kid, but I had, I, you know, even then I didn't pay attention, wasn't involved. You know, I just went because my parents occasionally went. But when I went off to college, you know, I, I was partying, I was in a fraternity, worked at a bar. You guys know, some, most of y'all know the story. Pastor Zola and I worked at the same bar, you, you know. But over the course of some events, God just began to deal with me. And I just started thinking about spiritual things and eternal things. And I, I don't know why, surely never thought of them before. <laughs> but I just started thinking about things. I think God, how many of you know, God, he moves sovereignly on the earth. He, he just does. It's unexplainable how, how he moves within the context of people's free will. 
it's just, but he does, friends. I'm just telling you, he does. We can't understand that. We're not him. But he sees the end from the beginning, and he connects the dots, and he will move in your life in ways that you cannot explain. I believe that. That's what he was doing in my life. And so God just starts moving in my life, making me think about things. I, I had a friend that passed away. I was living by myself for the summer. Things just started, I started thinking about, man, what happens when I die? What is there heaven? Is this all there is? You just make some money and have a good time and have a family and die. Is that all that life's about? I started thinking about these things. I was working at this gym and uh, this old man handed me a copy of a good news Bible. It was called, it was purple. It said the Good News Bible. In, in modern English, I said, I need that one. I need that version. You, you know, so I took that home. Had, I didn't really read it, but I had it, had it sitting on the, in my apartment. And, and I'm telling you guys, God started dealing with me. One night I came home from work, from the gym. I, you know, I was taking some classes. And, and I just started, I just felt this desire to start to pray. And I just, I ended up getting down on my knees. The next thing I know, I'm down on my face. And I just started crying out to God for forgiveness and to know him. Now put, put this in your, the, in your church model book and your theology book, okay? I, was, I wasn't in church. I, no one invited, no one witnessed to me. But I'm telling you, friends, I got, I was down on my face and I, I just began to sob. I'm by myself. I'm just sobbing on, on, on the floor in this apartment. And, and, and I, I felt like, and I'm just praying. I'm, I'm saying, God, Jesus, just forgive my sins. And, and I, I, thank you for loving me. Thank you for saving me. And I just had this encounter with Jesus. And I, I laid there. I didn't know a scripture, guys. I'm telling you, I didn't know the difference between Noah and Moses. I didn't know anything. And I'm just laying on my floor in my apartment, 21 years old in Louisiana. And I'm just, and I felt like God was just pouring his love into my soul. And, I'm, and I didn't even want to get up. It seemed like I was there for a few, I was probably there for 30 minutes or more. I don't remember, but it seemed forever. I didn't want to get up because I felt like he was just washing over me with waves of his love and his glory. And, and I, I'm telling you guys, I got born again right there. I received new life. I didn't know a scripture, but I had that purple, good news, modern translation Bible, paperback. And I, I started opening, I started reading it, and the words were jumping off the page. And I was like reading in John and Romans, and I could understand it. And it was like speaking right to my spirit. And I was like, exploding with the word of God. And I remember I wanted to go out on this little balcony and yell, I'm, I'm saved, I'm free. I know Jesus. Listen guys, I'm not making this story up. My wife's here somewhere, I, you know. So I, I'm not making this up. So I, uh, I got up and I'm telling you guys, I was radically changed from just an encounter with Jesus. I was I was radically changed. Old things passed away. Behold, all things became new. I, I called my family. I said, I woke them up. I said, I just got saved. My dad was like, saved from what? What are you talking about? <laughs> my mom was like, he's like, here's your mom. 
you know? They didn't understand, you know? So I was dating Ashley, I tell her what's happening. She, she's like, wait, no, what? What, what, is, what happened to you? I'm telling you, I was, I was radically transformed. Why, from what? From an encounter with the King of glory. I'm telling you guys, I was, it, it, my, the whole course of my life changed from that night. That was almost 30 years ago. How, this is what that made me feel. When I, when, I, when I had that encounter with Jesus, you know, the scripture says that, that if we draw unto him, he draws near to us. It says, when we seek him with our whole heart, we'll find him. And I just began to seek and to call out. And Jesus met me there. And, and you know, it's not all about seeking an experience, but it is about learning to love and follow a person. And he's not afraid to touch you and give you an experience at times. And we don't have to be afraid of seeking that all the time. There's nothing wrong with that, of seeking the Lord. It's all through the scriptures. Paul said that I may know him. But how many of you know he knew him? He met him. But he, his prayer was that I may know him in the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his image. And so that desperate prayer, and you know, that's been my prayer, that I may know him. Even though I met him, I wanna know him deeper. I don't wanna drift from him. That's Jesus. And so that began my journey, that of an encounter. I wanna encourage you guys about the purse, seeking the person of Jesus Christ. You know, God gave our pastor this encounter on Good Friday, and it's been an amazing thing to process with him. I was in the green room with him. Right after this happened, it's been, it's been an amazing adventure, amazing journey. And, and, you know, when you're around him, he, he's changed, guys. Have you noticed? <laughs> That's what an encounter does. But, you know, what, those first couple of weeks after he had the encounter, you know what I noticed most, every, most of all? The love of God flowing out of him. It was the love of Jesus flowing out. It was a, a tenderness towards Jesus, the fruit of the Spirit. When I had that encounter, you, do you know what, you know how I would describe it? Love and freedom. If I had two words, I, he, he healed my soul with his love. I'm telling you. Now, I had to continue that journey, but so much of it took place right there, I'm, I'm telling you guys. And freedom, I felt so free, guys. Free from the bondage of sin. Free to try, free to trying to be, be a man pleaser and serve everyone else's wishes but God's. And, and some of you young people, I'm telling you guys, a fear of man, it doesn't matter if you're 12 years old or 55 years old, the scripture says, the fear of man is a snare. And, you, you, and, and you, you're trying to live for other people's approval. It's bondage. It doesn't matter how old you are. I tell you what, getting free from that, oh man, it's awesome. It's awesome, man. Trying to just live for the approval of others, that was the bondage I was in. I got set free from that. I said, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna serve Jesus. And I, whether people like it or not, that's, that, that was what I decided. I decided I am following you with everything I have. I'm not looking back. I'm burning the plow. I went all, all the way in almost 30 years ago. 
And I'm telling you, he who loses his life will, will find it. I'm telling you, when you go after God like that, you will not be disappointed. And so love and freedom, we follow the person, Jesus Christ. You know, people follow Aristotle, Socrates, Buddha, Confucius, Muhammad. But you know what they'll say? I follow the sayings of Muhammad. I follow the pillars of Muhammad. I follow the sayings of Buddha. I follow the teachings of Confucius. We follow him. We follow a person, Jesus. Why? Because he's not in the grave. All those guys, their bones are in the grave, friend. And you can follow their teachings. We follow the living Christ. Man, I hope you guys can get a revelation of this, okay? Jesus ascended into heaven. And with this encounter that pastors had, it's made it real to me. He ascended into heaven. He sits at the right hand of the Father. The scripture says that he's in heaven now making intercession for us. Sits at the right hand of the Father. That represents authority. It represents rest. When, when Stephen was stoned in the book of Acts, the scripture said he's, he's, his face shone brightly and then he saw into heaven and Jesus was doing what? Standing. In Revelation, it says he walks through the candlesticks representing the churches. He walks through the churches. We worship a risen Savior, guys. When you're worshiping, you can worship the most glorious king and you can fall in love with him and you can read about him in the gospels and you can see his glory and you can see his splendor and his perfection and, you, and, and it never ends. And you're growing in this love for him and it's deeper and deeper. It doesn't have to ever go away. It can just grow deeper and that's what sustains us. That's why we're here. And and one day we will cast our crowns at his feet and he will be the king. Right now, we're in this time period between Genesis 3 and Revelation 20. And right now we're getting God's kids back into his family, right? And there's a war going on for that. But one day that's gonna be over and the king is gonna show back up and we're gonna worship him in all of his glory. But see, you can have that revelation now and you can wanna live for him and for his glory. When I had that encounter with Jesus, you know, there's there's all this stuff about sin. You You know what started breaking sins off of my life? Young people, what started breaking sins off of my life was, of course, I got up from that, ex- that encounter and that experience, and of course, you know what I did? I made some mistakes. I made mistakes. How many of you know Christians make mistakes occasionally? Yeah? Well, I did. I didn't know hardly anything about the Bible or walking with God anyway. But then what would happen? I would make a mistake, and this is how it would feel. God, I'm so sorry. I don't want to hurt you. I don't want to break your heart. I wish I didn't do that. I feel bad because I love you more than I love what I did. And I don't want to do it again. And I'm asking you to deliver me from this. That's how I started getting broken free from those things in my life. Why? 
because of his love. It wasn't a list of rules or do's, do this or don't or behavior. It was all birthed and, and sustained out of my love for Jesus. And so there's a place in the Bible in Matthew 28, 9. These ladies, they see Jesus after the resurrection and they run to him and, is it up on the screen? Do we have that scripture? Matthew 28, they run to him and they grab it. It says, and they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them saying, rejoice. So they came and held him by the feet and worshiped him. And so when people had a revelation of Jesus, what, it, what was their response? They, can you picture these ladies? They grabbed him by his feet and they worshiped him. And so there's other places in the Bible, in the book of Acts, Peter, people, Cornelius sees Peter and he, Peter does a miracle and he, you know, bows down at Peter's feet and Peter says, stand up, I'm just a man. Revelation, John says, don't worship me, I'm just a man. Jesus, they, the ladies grabbed his feet, they laid down and they grabbed his feet and they worshiped him at his feet. And what did Jesus do? Nothing. <laughs> Why? He's Jesus. He received their worship. Worship me. I'm the king. I'm worthy of worship. Can you get a revelation of worshiping Jesus? There's, there's three different stories in the Bible about people who come in Jesus and, and, and they just begin to wash Jesus' feet, wiping them with the tears of just, you know, their forgiveness. And there's one story in the Bible where Jesus goes into the house of Simon, a leper, which is a whole nother message. So Jesus is at a leper's house. That, maybe Simon was healed, but there was a stigma around a leper's house, right? I mean, you want to go too close to that. They were cast out, right? But not for Jesus. So he goes in there and a, a lady comes in and she breaks expensive oil over his head. And the disciples get mad and they say, man, that was expensive. We could have used that on the poor. And Jesus said, this is a memorial for her. And it says the fragrance fill the house. And you know, Jesus carried that fragrance all the way. Can you, can you think about it? He carried that fragrance. He did it, she did it for his burial. So this perfume, it was expensive. It was from India. They said that it would be worth a year's wages. 50, so think, think about today, maybe 50 grand, I don't know. Can you imagine taking some perfume and just pouring it out on someone a, year's, a year of your wages? They, I mean, that's, that's what she did for Jesus. What is the principle there? He's worthy of anything we can give him. You can't waste your life on Jesus. You can't waste your life on Jesus. You can't. He's the king. We're gonna be with him forever. You can't waste it. He's gonna receive your life as an, of a living sacrifice. But if you try to hold back your life, you won't find it. But if you lay your life down, you'll find it and the path will become clear. But it takes surrender. It takes giving him everything. I'm praying that God will give all of us an encounter with Jesus. It's not just for pastor. 
Listen, he wants to reveal himself to you in a special way. Don't get so caught up in the altar and being here. Pray on your way here. Pray on your way home. Pray at night. Pray in the bed. Jesus, I want to know you. I want to see your glory. I want to see you. Reveal yourself to me. I want to walk with you. I want to know you, Jesus. Pray that. I'm telling you, Jesus will answer that prayer. And so I feel like we can understand Jesus as a shepherd. And he is the shepherd. He guides us. I think we can see him as the lamb. But what about seeing him as a high priest? That, that's a, one of the revelations that pastor got. Do you understand what it means Jesus as a high priest? So in the Old Testament, on the Day of Atonement, the, the priest went into the Holy of Holies. He covered the people's sins once a year. But all it did was cover their sins. They were still guilty. They still had a consciousness of sins. They went back out from there and they would, they would fail. They would break the law and they would feel guilty. They had to wait for, for it to happen again. They carried this guilt, right? And that's, so that was the high priest. But the book of Hebrews teaches us that we have a great high priest, a better covenant. So he's the lamb. And when his blood was shed, his blood was spotless. The bloodline comes from the father. Who was Jesus' father? God. His blood was not tainted by human sin. It was perfect. And so when his blood was sprinkled on the altar, it cleanses us from all sin. That's why Hebrews says we are saved to the uttermost. And so when you see Jesus as your great high priest, your advocate, your mediator between you and God, and he's, his blood has cleansed you from all sins. The scripture says once and for all, your sins are cleansed. There's no more consciousness of sins. It's not covering it year by year. He, his blood cleanses us from all sins. That's what Jesus is doing in heaven. He's our intercessor. That means he's standing between us and God. His blood has cleansed us. So that's why we can come boldly to the throne of grace. Come on, can you get a picture? an understanding of who Jesus really is. And you, you can't help but want to worship him. Pray this, Jesus, reveal yourself to me. I often reflect on that time, that encounter I had with God. It was almost 30 years ago, and it was powerful. It was such a powerful time in my life. I never worried after that if God was real, if Jesus was real, I just never even entertained those thoughts. Why? I met him. He changed my life. When I, I got up, I needed to be renewed. I had to learn to walk with God. But there were things in my heart and my soul that were instantly changed and healed from meeting him. I'm telling you guys, it was powerful. You can talk to my wife. You can talk to my family. That's what Jesus does when he touches you. And listen, that was me in an apartment. I wasn't even in church. No one even witnessed to me. Listen, does that open your mind? Do you have family members that don't know the Lord? Do you have kids? Do you have friends that don't know God? Listen, Jesus, and I had an encounter with him in an apartment by myself. Put that in your theology book. Come on, man, he can do it. 
Anything is possible with Jesus. Don't give up. Keep praying, keep believing, man. He can do the impossible. Certainly we invite people to church. Certainly we tell people about Jesus. But listen, God can do it, friend. He's at work. The next few minutes, I wanna speak to our youth. A few years ago, pastor had a message. He had a vision from the Lord about it's time for war. Y'all remember that? Pastor Petey, you remember that? Pastor Clay, it's time for war. And it was about who? Come on, y'all, y'all, were y'all here? It was about riot, right? And, and, and we were going to war for our students. We were gonna, and, and I feel like God, now he's doing something in our church with families, right? And the homes and our students. And as pastors and as parents, you, you feel this for our students. You feel it, man. You, 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 want, you, you know what it's like out, out there. You know what the world is like. And we need to make it a priority that this generation, like, this, like what we sang, it's the generation that seeks his face. We can't, we can't lose a generation, guys. We need this gen. You know, America, if you, get, if you watch some of the news, it can be dark. You see the darkness, and there is a lot of darkness in America. But God can always send revival. God can always shake this nation, friend. And he's doing something through his church. And we're believing for an outpouring. We're believing for revival. We're believing that God, through his church, in the darkness of America, it's going to be the church's finest hour. We don't know what it's going to look like. But we believe that the hand of God can change this country. Do you believe that? Are you believing with us that through the church, we can make a difference? And people are gonna start turning more and more to God's house, God's people for answers. It's, it's happened before, it can happen again. I wanna give you a few areas, I have them on the screen, that today's teenagers, they're battling more than previous generations ever have. It's time for war. And so there's a gradual, there's been a gradual slide towards a post-Christian America. If you don't believe that, your head is in the sand, friend. It's like a frog in a kettle. You stick a frog in a kettle and you slowly turn up the heat and he won't know that he's dying. He won't know that he's boiling, but he is. And so the culture, I'm, I'm almost 50. I can't believe that. I'm not, I'm 48. But culture has changed a lot in the last, I've been here for 20 years. It's changed a lot in 20 years. It's changed a lot in 30 years. Some of you are much older than me. It's changed a lot in 30 and 40 years. Can I have an amen? And so culture is changing, but sometimes we live in it and we don't see the gradual shift of culture, do we? And this culture is the world system. It's where we live. There's a world system on the earth. There's a lot of scriptures about the world. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. You're in the world, not of the world. There's a lot. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father's not in him. There's a lot of scriptures about the world. Do you know what that means? It means that there's a world system that operates apart from God. It's not God's system. It's a world system. It's empowered by the Antichrist spirit, the spirit of lawlessness on the earth. That's the world system that's out there, 
okay? So how do we deal with that? Do we run from it? Are we scared of it? No, we can engage it, but we have to be wise. We have to carry an innocence about us when we're going in. And we don't attach our heart and our hope and our life to it. That's for God and his kingdom. But there's a world system, friend, and you, under, you have to understand it. And the young people have to see it. And you don't just get tossed around into the world system and with its culture and its values. Sometimes I, 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 when I see the world system, I, you know what I think of? The Beatitudes. You see the things that our culture values. And then t- take your Bible and read through Matthew chapter five through 11. Blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. Is that our culture? Do they teach you that? Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the poor. Man, it's like the opposite of our culture though we see. I'm telling you, take your Bibles and keep the Beatitudes before you all the days of your life. Keep the Beatitudes before you all the days of your life. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be the sons of God. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. I'm telling you, keep that. You know why? That is, that is Jesus. That is his charter for his kingdom. That will never change. And when you do that, you will be blessed. You'll be blessed. It's opposite of the world. Blessed are the poor in spirit. You know what that means? It means that you are desperate for God. It means you want more of God in your life. You know that you need God. You're not walking away from him. And so let me go over these quickly. And so there's this been this gradual slide towards a post-Christian America. Can you imagine what America was like with the World War II generation? They say, 50, they say 65% of America would be Bible-believing back then. I don't know what the stats are today. I've looked at a few. Anywhere from 5% to 20% would be Bible-believing Christians. I pulled up one recent survey that said 5% of America it would say they're born again. I don't know how accurate all that is. But one thing's for sure. America is not the same as it was. Can I have an amen? Can you see how we are drifting towards a post-Christian America unless God sends revival? Can you, can, have you ever looked at the history of Europe? England, Ireland, France. Can you see how America is going down that path? Okay, lest God sends revival. Okay, that's the truth. What's the answer? Young people, what's the answer? I, I, I think a couple things. First off, you need to know the king. You have to know the king. I love this teaching on the meta-narrative that God has brought into our church where, why? You, you work your life into the storyline. Now you're a part of the story. It's not just the creed or belief system, but you are a part of the story. You're a continuation of the book of Acts. And you're just, you're, your life is, is lining right up with the scriptures. And one day, 
Jesus is gonna come and we're gonna rule and reign in his kingdom forever. And that's what your eternal perspective, that's what you're living for. So know the king. Another thing is you need to know what you believe. When we were in college, the ministry that we went to, Pastor Stovall and I, Pastor Kerry, our pastor used to say this, you need to know what you believe. I didn't know anything. I said, man, I need to study. I need to know what I believe. I was embarrassed. I didn't know the, where the books of the Bible was. And so I, I made a decision in my life. I'm gonna be a lifetime student of God's word and I'm gonna try and know what I believe. I'm, not, I'm gonna own that myself. I wanna be, I wanna understand that and know it. Some people are faster than others. Some people are way ahead of others, but you know what? None of that matters. It's about knowing what you believe in your heart and your life and owning that, being proud of, of being a student, of owning your own doctrine, what you believe and, 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 and making a, being a lifetime student of that. A second thing, a change is the bombardment of media. The bombardment of media, social media. It used to just be media, but now it's, it's almost all social media, right? This is the first generation in the history of the world that is more shaped by outside influences than within the home. Used to, you know, when there was no cell phones or internet, you, you know, used to, you, you were shaped by what? Your home, your school, and maybe probably your church, your grandparents' house, some of your close friends' houses. That's what shaped you the most, right? And so what's happened now? This is the first generation that unless they're, unless they're very purposeful, they're shaped more by outside influences than the home. Think about that. All the voices, all the values that are coming at them. And so what's the answer? That's, can y'all say amen if you believe that's true? Can't you see that? I mean, it's been true for, for me the last several years. Like you, you have to learn to guard your, your heart and mind from the voices, from the outside influences coming at you all the time about what's really important. And say, what's important? The Beatitudes, God's kingdom, so how do you combat that? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Renew your mind with his word. Keep the beatitudes in your heart and your life. Stay connected to God's family and his people where we're all living out. We're the ecclesia, we're the body of Christ. We're his reflection on the earth. And we, when the people see us, they see a reflection of Jesus. Stay connected into that. That's the life. That's what's gonna keep us. I preached a message a few weeks ago about stay in the ark. Stay connected to God's house. The third one is the sexualization of our culture. And so if you can't see this from the time you were young to what our culture has become, your head's in the sand <laughs> because it has changed, friend. It's changed big time. And so just take a walk through the town center. Just go to the beach, or better yet, go to LA and have a look around and see if our culture hasn't shifted, if our culture isn't. You know, well, when was the sexual revolution? The 70s, 60s? Okay, that was a long time ago, man. 
<laughs> 60s was a long time ago. If we had the sexual revelation in the 60s, where are we at now? We're sexualized. That's the culture that we live in. And so what does that mean? I think it means you have to know your values. You have to make a decision that you're gonna live pure before the Lord. You gotta make a decision about this. You can't decide every weekend if you're gonna live holy and live for God or not. Make that decision now and manage it. Decide. And, and some of you guys that are in your 20s and young ladies in your 20s, you need to make a decision to live holy and live for the Lord, and we need you to be role models for our younger students. We need them to look at you and say, you can, man, she lives holy. She represents Jesus. I want to be like her. That's what we need you to do. Some of you, I'm, I'm speaking to some of you. Use your influence for his kingdom, for our house, for some of our young people to live pure and live holy and not, be, not just go down the, the, the culture with, with the same values and look just like them and talk just like them and act just like them. Come on, y'all. Can I, can I preach a little bit? Come on, y'all. The first, this is the first generation of point and click pornography. 80% of teens been exposed to pornography multiple times. Can you see how a few years ago when pastor said, it's time for war. Can you see what God was trying to do? Are we gonna be the salt and the light? Are we gonna be a city on a hill? Are we gonna be strangers and pilgrims passing through that are living for the new Jerusalem? The meta-narrative, we see the end from the beginning, we have an eternal perspective, we, we behold the king and his righteousness and that's his glory is what we're living for. Are we gonna be just like the world? You have to decide. What do we do with this first generation of point and click pornography? To me, I can't think about it so much. It's, it's terrifying as a dad, as a pastor, isn't it? It's time for war. What does it mean? What does that mean? Well, obviously you need to be wise. You need to, you know, take control. You need to set up measures and all those things that parents and people should do. But as a young person, what does that mean for you? I think it means this. Job said, I make a covenant with my eyes that I will not look upon a woman to lust or whatever, something that's unholy, unclean things. Can you make a covenant with your eyes that you're not gonna look? And if, if you do, if you're filled with lust and you see something, you know what you can say? Thank God I'm delivered from that. Thank God that, doesn't, that lust is gone from me. Confess it. Tell the enemy, that's not for me. Thank God I'm delivered from that. And turn away, make a covenant with your eyes. I feel like God is, is, is raising up a generation. He's speaking, guys. I'm telling you guys, when I, was, when I was 21, and I had this encounter, and we, we started a prayer meeting at our church, 
Some of y'all heard this story, but pastor started a prayer meeting. You think he was crazy? You think he's crazy now? He was always wild and crazy like that. But he started a prayer meeting. 5.30 a.m., okay. So, so we would pl- pray in the choir room. I was, I was 21 years old. We went in the choir room in our church, and we would turn out all the lights, 5.30 a.m., and we would have worship, and we would just lay on our face, and we would cry out to God for revival. For a few years, we did this. I didn't go all the time. Let me confess. I didn't go all the time. I was too tired. <laughs> Pastor was there a lot, but I went, I went a lot, and, and I, I'll never forget I'll never forget laying in there and crying out to God for revival. Crying out to God, praying prayers like this. God, I give you all of my life. I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'll move for the nations. You tell me where to go and I'll go. We were gonna move, pastor was gonna move to the Amazon jungle. He had a truck, he knew Spanish. He was, he was gonna go. Right when he got married, they were going to Peru. But God called us to Jacksonville. But I prayed that prayer as in that room, and I remember what I'm trying to say is I remember being in there, crying out to God, God, I give you everything. I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'm, I, I wanna live, a, I wanna be a holy man. I wanna be a man of God, crying out. I, I, you know, I wanna, I wanna be a part of something significant in my life. Take my life and use it for your glory and for your kingdom. Crying out, crying out, crying out to God. And I remember times in there where I would feel that we are touching the heavens. I remember when I felt like we're, we're, God is hearing this and he's, he's gonna move and I just knew it in my spirit. I knew it in my heart that God was gonna do something, that he was raising us up but I think he wants to raise some of you up. I think he wants to pass the baton. I think he's looking for young people that will say, me, I wanna do that. I wanna be a part. I wanna make my life count for God. I'm gonna believe a separate life. I'm gonna consecrate my life for your kingdom. I'm gonna do it. I'm not, listen, it's not about what your parents want you to do. It's about you and the king. It's not about your friends. It's not about your family. We led a lot of our family to the Lord. Friends to the Lord. Do it for him, guys. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. For more information about Celebration Church or to get in touch with us, please visit celebration.org.